Hello, I'm Sahel Mirza and welcome to this episode in Season 2 of Voices of Care. My guest today is the CEO of the Northern Ireland Social Care Council, Patricia Higgins. Patricia, thank you for making the trip to join us. It's a pleasure and an honour to have you on Voices of Care. And it's lovely to be here today, thank you. You're very welcome. Now, most of us know the role of a regulator, but can you expand upon it? It's a very um, interesting time for social care and uh, for the Social Care Council. Yes, so the the Northern Ireland Social Care Council is the workforce regulator for social workers and social care workers in Northern Ireland. And we have um, around 46,000 people on our register, and of those, 38,500 are social care workers. Uh, And as a regulator, we're obviously responsible for registering that workforce. We will investigate allegations of of misconduct or uh, allegations about fitness to practice. But we have statutory functions um, around workforce development, which is a really strong focus of the work that we do. So we set the standards for social work, education and training, both at qualifying and post-qualifying levels. And we also develop occupational standards that underpin social care qualifications. And we're required then to ensure that there is the right range of learning and development available for both workforces and so we have a very well developed um, digital learning um, zone on our website where we will develop resources to support the upskilling of the workforce so um, we're quite a we've got quite a broad um, range as a regulator um, and over the last number of years we've also been working at how we position ourselves within the system as a system leader. And you've chosen an extraordinary time. I think you joined as an interim CEO back in June 2018. COVID, all of these things. Yes. And the sector itself, as you said, it's it's the numbers registered. Yes. It's a big contributor. People tend to forget to the economy in Northern Ireland. Yes, yes it is um, and we um, did a piece of work a number of years ago actually which said that it was something like £851 million of gross value added to, to, to the Northern Ireland economy and quite often when people talk about social care they almost see it as a cost and a drain and what we wanted to demonstrate was that it was a major contributor to the economy in all sorts of ways, not just financially but in supporting people who are carers who will be able to return to work if you've got good social care system that can support that um, and also you know ensuring that we are supporting the citizens of Northern Ireland so um, social care is a contributor to the economy and we are about to do some further work to try to bring that work up to date. Now the sector across the UK um, we've had uh, been the privilege of a number of the leaders across social care across the UK and it is a picture of opportunity but tremendous pressure. It's no different in Northern Ireland. I I wanted you to just touch upon the workforce in terms of the pressures uh, that are prevalent. I know you've got a new strategic plan which we'll touch upon and workforce is central to that but just to get your overview um, there are some tremendous challenges. I think a system under strain is is what uh, uh, Paul Martin your chair described (laughs) in your strategic plan. Yes that's right. I mean it is a system under, under strain and the whole of the system is under strain in terms of health and social care but I think you know what we're experiencing in Northern Ireland is not unique to what's happening across the rest of the UK. Um, I work with my colleagues in the other parts of the UK as part of an alliance and you know we share the same concerns about workforce pressures and and delivery of service. So you know so Northern Ireland is not unique 
but but it is struggling in the context of social care. So um, we do when you talk to providers, the single biggest issue for providers is recruitment and retention, and they invest a lot of their time and obviously cost in recruiting social care workers. So you know, getting people into the sector and more importantly, holding people in the sector is, is a real issue. And I think over the last couple of years, we have started to try to turn our attention with providers to, you know, what are the issues? Why are people leaving? And how can we then help to retain the workforce and build a sustainable workforce going forward? And someone said uh, recently to me, you can't recruit your way out of a retention crisis. And I think that's absolutely right. So we are working with providers to understand and with the workforce to understand what are the challenges. And, and the challenges, again, are the same that you will have heard from other colleagues in other parts of the UK. So uh, terms and conditions of employment aren't good, as we all know, pay social care workers are paid a very low rate um, issues to do with support and supervision issues to do with access to learning and development all of those are and, and the complexity of care now and the complexity of need as people live longer um, the social care has changed in terms of what it needs to deliver and therefore um, for some people when they come into social care that might not have been what they expected so we need to make sure that people understand the role they're coming into and then they're well prepared to do it and and the key thing, as you say, um, it the complexity of the skills required is also a function of the broader picture. If you look at Northern Ireland in terms of demography, um, the stats showing it's I think it's going to increase uh, the whole population as a whole. 5.7% in the 25 years post-2018. Big jumps in the over 65s, over 85s. Yes. Um, I think that brings its yes. uh, own pressure. Social care and healthcare yes. often seen differently, but I think it was Robin Swan uh, in his forward to the Department of Health consultation on adult social care reform said, social, and I quote, social care is every bit as important as healthcare. And it's going to become even more because I think the estimates are of 20,000 additional care packages in 2037 compared to 2016. So these yes. pressures aren't going away. The pressures aren't going away. And, and interestingly, we've just had a recent census, 2021 census, and the figures came out this year. And we've had a 25% increase in people aged over 65 from the previous census. So in 10 years, and it, the, the reports are that that's a third of a million of our population are 65 and over. So there's a non-assailable case for building um, a sustainable social care workforce going forward because we are going to need social care. So yes, our demography is an ageing population um, and we really need to think about investing in social care properly. Absolutely. Now, that brings us on to your strategic plan for 2023 to 2027. But before we dive into that, it's a really important document. Um, if you could set the context, because Northern Ireland, interestingly, uh, for at least the last decade or so, from the Compton Review in 2011, the Bengoa Review, which I think called the system broken, and uh, Des Kelly's work, Power uh, of the, to the People Review, um, there's been a lot of analysis, and the Department of Health issued its strategy in response to that. So this doesn't come in a vacuum in terms of what you're... But it's been a, a decade of really trying to um, grapple with these challenges. Yes, we love our reviews in Northern Ireland. <laughs> we have lots of reviews telling us um, what we need to do. So you're right, Bengoa, um, the Bengoa review looked at our health and social care system, although it largely shone its lens on health um, and it was looking at really what we needed to do fundamentally to change the system. Um, out of the Bengoa review, our, the, the health minister then 
developed a strategy called Delivering Together. But because Bengoa had focused more on, on the health part of our health and social care system, um, the department then commissioned DES to do the review part of people. And that was that was a really um, focused review on social care. Um, and it clearly was highlighting the real issues that are around in relation to social care and what we need to do. So he was highlighting the fact that we need to value social care and that we don't we don't place a value on social care either within our system or indeed in terms of, of public understanding of what social care is that we absolutely need to build our workforce and focus on our workforce and um, that we need to focus on family carers as well because family carers provide are a large uh, proportion of providing care um, in Northern Ireland as, as they are in other parts of the UK and the other thing he talked about as well was we needed to um, sort of um, maintain our integration in, in Northern Ireland um, our health and social care system is integrated so health and social care trusts deliver health services but they also deliver social care services and I know there been debates in other parts of the UK about integration um, uh, and but there are challenges with that as we all know because acute services and hospitals in particular tend to dominate and they do dominate in Northern Ireland and so if you've got an integrated trust in terms of pressures and budget it, you know acute services will, will take some of that budget on and, and there's not as much budget for everybody else um, so so there are real challenges in terms of the delivery the system of mm-hmm. delivery but there's also real opportunities in an integrated system for looking at how we join up our services and how one service supports the other so in the context of social care um, we've all heard this um, not just in Northern Ireland the link between delayed discharge and social care uh, and the issue about having availability of social care patterns Packages. But there's an opportunity, I think, with integrated services to begin to think differently about, well, how do we reinvest our resources and how do we think about putting our resources into prevention and early intervention services, which might then divert people from ending up in acute care or at least keep them out of that for a longer period of time and and, and use social care there um, in a much more preventative way as well as obviously using social care when when people really need it at the other end of coming from acute care or end-of-life care for example so so our integrated our integrated health and social care system gives us those opportunities and the department um, under the permanent secretary are leading a transformation program mm. um, now and and definitely those opportunities are there as as we look across the piece in relation to how do we really deliver social care that supports the rest of the healthcare system. It's something that I'm sure uh, that us here in England will learn from. As you know, we've uh, put on a statutory footing our integrated care systems, I think, from memory. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was the McCrory report in 1970 that set that integrated uh, framework. So plenty for us to learn. So out of this, and, and the Des Kelly review, I think, where he makes one statement, I think, going to your point earlier, and he, he simply says, and I think I quote, it is plainly wrong to see social care only as a cost. Yes. He says that very, very clearly. Yes. And your strategic plan, there's so much in it. Uh, we could be here for covering so much, but I, I really wanted to focus on the priorities that you've identified. The mission is to improve care, yes. but it's been a, a, um, a powerful piece of work that you've worked um, very closely with. 
Yes, so I suppose um, our, our new strategic plan is building on a lot of the work that we've been doing. Um, uh, and over the last number of years, um, it's really interesting when you're a, when you're a workforce regulator because you, in, in a sense, have a helicopter view of your system and those that you're you're regulating and the system that they work within. Um, so we've spent a, a, a lot of our time over the last number of years really listening carefully to our registrants, whether they're social workers or social care workers, and listening very carefully to um, the providers of social work and social care services. And I know we're talking specifically about social care today. And we have had, um, in relation to social care for a number of years, um, a Leaders in Social Care Partnership, which is, is a partnership of the council made up of providers across the system of social care um, who provide sort of advice and guidance to the council particularly in relation to workforce so so as as part of that sort of working in partnership which is in our dna it's how we do our business um, and um uh, the, and, and listening to, to the issues that, that are emerging, we, I suppose, have found ourselves in quite a unique position within the system. So we've been able to influence up um, in terms of government. We've been able to make connections across the system where we see something really good happening in one place and how do we connect that across the other. So so the, the strategic plan is, is taking, is t- we're trying to take that work a step further. Obviously, within that, we are um, uh, we're a regulator, and and you know we want to ensure that we deliver excellent regulation services. So you know that our systems are are excellent, and we we're really focusing on innovation, um, so that we can make sure that our registration system is cutting edge. We're looking at how we um, effectively deliver our fitness to practice um, processes. But but one of the biggest areas I think that we've been really focusing on is the workforce development piece. Um, And uh, in the context of the reform agenda and and the work that we've been doing, we have um, been commissioned by the Department of Health to do work around career structure for social care and creating a CPD framework and linking a career framework to qualifications. We don't have that career structure in Northern Ireland for social care, unlike what you would have in social work. And so that's the work we've been doing with providers and with registrants over the last couple of years. And we're sort of coming to the end of that now. We have what we call our care and practice framework we've got a very simple career structure which our career framework which is a practitioner a specialist practitioner and then up into management and leadership where we feel there does need to be a lot more investment in terms of that management and leadership role Um, and we are in the process of developing um, an entry certificate qualification so for us in Northern Ireland social care workers are not required to hold a qualification to be registered it's not a qualifications based register but we would like to get there and the entry certificate I think over the next number of years will help to take us there Um, and then people will have CPD opportunities and other vocational qualification opportunities as they progress through their career and that can be tailored to whatever the program of care is so you know we're not we're not specifying what that cpd or qualification so level there's quite a lot of innovation and flexibility built in potentially yes in how to upskill yes. and allow multiple pathways yes. to train because that's going to need to be yes. adapt to a different workforce yes. um, that's, that's right. also honors the fact that actually people are required to do a lot more complex tasks yes and that's 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 the beauty of this we want to make sure that it's a flexible framework that will respond to changing need because it clearly cha- need will change and you've talked about the the increase you know the changes in demography in de- demography and you know people living longer and therefore with more comorbidities and social care providing supports to that so 
Our aim is that this will flexibly fit whatever employers and whatever the programme of care is. And when we've, we've engaged a lot with registrants, with social care workers around I was going this. To ask, I was going to ask you, just because part of your uh, consultation around this is to co-create yes. with the workforce itself. And I, I yes. wanted to touch upon your, because uh, I think it's relevant here, uh, your Voices of Social Care Workers yes. um, uh, yes. survey and what came out of that. Obviously, pay-in terms uh, were, were high on the agenda, but there was... Two other issues that really struck me were the importance of uh, equality and diversity mm-hmm. that should be reflected, and also the health impact of doing this work. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think um, f- for social care workers, what's very clear mm-hmm. when we do work with social care workers is they are highly committed to providing care. People come in to the care profession because they want to care and they come in for altruistic reasons. But um, the difficulty is if they're not properly supported, if they aren't given the opportunities for learning and development, which will help them to develop the skills to deliver the care, then they feel really overwhelmed. And that's when you get into issues to do with, with health and well-being, where people feel it's just too difficult and they can't do it. And the pressures also of um, time and task in home care, for example, yeah. um, um, where people don't feel as if they haven't, they're rushing, they're under pressure, they don't have enough time to provide the care that they want to care, and all of that then will lead to the issues we were talking about at the start about recruitment and retention and why people want to leave. So, you know, we have to listen very carefully to what our workforce are telling us, and in working with providers, those are the issues that we really need to begin to address. But what we also know from engaging with our social care workforce is they are really hungry to learn, mm-hmm. they understand the importance of learning and development they understand the importance of having the right skills and knowledge and values in order to and what they want to do is to deliver the best care that they can and and just to expand upon that because it's it's interesting to say the demography requires uh, greater numbers and also with people from different parts of the system so you're really talking about it's easy to say but to deliver training which is personalized mm-hmm. flexible and perhaps even micro learning and credentialed yes. that's going yes. to be that's a big task that you've got ahead yes. of you which will require maybe use of digital training platforms to yes. allow people to be flexible yes and we're going to have to think about all of that because we're going to have to provide learning and development that is easily accessible and I think that's one of the other issues for social care workers um, and as I said you we have a, a, a digital platform um, uh, and a learning zone and we will work with providers um, to develop bespoke learning that people can easily access but you're right we're going to have to look at all sorts of different ways of ensuring that people can access learning to help them on the job so that that they feel that they they feel confident and competent in delivering the care they want to care, to deliver. No, no, absolutely. Now you talked a lot about integration as a, a thread that's run through uh, in, in Northern Ireland, sometimes imperfectly, as you would expect. Looking ahead, I'm interested in um, the work that's come out in terms of with the Department of Health and this creation of the Social Care Collaborative Forum. Um, if you could talk a little bit about that, because I think that's potentially a platform which speaks to this idea of all stakeholders having a view and it's very much a values-based in terms of a rights-based approach. It is, it is. So the the review history that we were we, we were running <laughs> through and we got as far as part of people, um, uh, the department then 
following part of people pulled together a set of proposals for the reform of adult social mm-hmm. care and consulted on those yep. and got um, a very strong positive response to that so that's now really the blueprint for moving forward in terms of reforming adult social care at the beginning of the year um, uh, we ran a workshop with a range of stakeholders um, government providers um, uh, people from from the the technology industry a whole range of providers um, uh, to begin to say what can we start to do here uh, to, to move things forward because at that point there was quite a bit of pressure around um, winter pressures it was in January and we did the workshop with um, NICON which is the Northern Ireland branch of the NHS Confederation so we did a rapid action workshop and out of that workshop came um, a really strong call for some type of collaborative forum um, and the department were present in, in the room and they th- felt that this would be a really important way to move forward. So, you know, for the very first time, we have established a collaborative forum, as you said, the Social Care Collaborative Forum, which is made up of um, representatives from provider organisations, which is made up from representatives of service users, carers, trade unions, um, government uh, representatives and ourselves. Um, collect in the room to begin to see what can we do to move forward with the reform of adult social care and the proposals which the department have. So what we've done um, is we've established a set of work streams running from that collaborative forum. We've agreed this with the forum. Um, So we have one on workforce. So we are looking at how do we begin to develop a workforce strategy and obviously feeding in the work that we've been doing around career structures. We have one on maximising capacity. So looking into this winter, what can we do to ensure that we can assist the hospital discharge issue both into care homes and out into home care so there's work happening around that and also beginning to think about how do we change the model of home care into mm. the future mm. and looking at a new model for home care so we're, we're doing some work around that we have um, a work stream on communications because we've been doing a lot of work around promoting the value of social care. I was going to say that's, that's a fundamental part of the, of the remit is promoting yeah. it as a not just something that helps the NHS equivalent but but actually stands on its own feet deserving of its parity of esteem that's absolutely right and we we have a a campaign running that the department have funded us for called making a difference so we have done a lot of promotional videos telling the stories of social care we have podcast series called care to chat um, uh, which is opening up the dialogue about the different the nature of social care because i think people do not understand its breadth and the lens for social care tends to be down the sort of issues to do with hospital discharge and older people and yes older people are the larger um, proportion of people who receive social care but obviously social care is across all programs of care people with disability people with mental health issues etc so you know we want people to understand what social care is and does and what its value is to society as well as to the system. Some of the other work streams we have are um, looking at contracting commissioning because clearly that's an issue in, in the context of commissioning out services and, and that's something that we really need to take a long hard look at so that's another really important work stream and one of our, t- we've just introduced a couple of others, we want to look at family carers and the role of family carers and the supports that, that they require and also our supported living sector we have a work stream around that as well so so we've we've collectively identified what the priorities are it's early days it only started in april and um, we recently just did a, a workshop with our our forum around 
building relationships and, and building a collective leadership approach because what we're saying is these are the system leaders. But one of the other really important pieces around this forum is that the permanent secretary who has he has a transformation program running and um and in that transformation program there are things like cancer services and you know hospitals etc etc he has um brought the social care collaborative forum in as a program board and it's sitting alongside all of those other um transformation program boards on an equal footing effectively so no longer um or is social care sort of a bit of a cinderella it's now sitting right at the top table um, um, alongside all of the other knit into the transformation program which in a sense takes me back to you know where social care can support the rest of the system and um, so it's 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 exciting now it, it it will it will take time to yield results um, uh, but it's the first time that we and I think the department recognized they can't do this on their own no one can do it on their own and there's such a willingness in the forum from all all concerned to roll their sleeves up and and get to solutions and and that's what we're going to try to do so we've moved from review to redefining reality we've moved from review to action i think <laughs> <laughs> on that very refreshing note which i think should have uh, some resonance for all of us uh, in tackling these health and social care issues uh, patricia higgins thank you for your uh, candor and uh, for your wisdom thank you very much indeed my pleasure if you've enjoyed this episode of Voice of Care, please like, follow or subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. And if you want to find out more about how we are truly enabling the healthcare workforce of the future, please visit newcrosshealthcare.com forward slash Voices of Care. In the meantime, I'm Sahel Mirza. Thank you very much and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.